My name's Rusty. Some of y'all may remember me. Um, I, I've I've been here a couple times over the last year, but last time I was here was around Christmas time, and that's when whatever illness kind of hit our area. Uh, my wife is a kindergarten teacher in Oregon City uh, School District, and and it hit them terribly bad. And so last time I was here, like four of us had a great time at church together because. <laughs> Because you, you guys got hit hard with illness as well, and so um, so anyway, gl- glad to, glad to be with you this morning. We're going to be in Philippians chapter four, and we're going to be talking about uh, this morning. We're going to be talking about peace, and, and the way that that the Bible talks about peace it talks about peace really in four ways. The first way uh, that that I think about peace is is something that the Billy Graham Association has done for years and years, and this is just peace with God. And, and how we, it's that vertical peace, how we can have peace with God. The second way Scripture talks about peace and the way we're going to be talking about it today is peace in God. And so if you're a believer in Christ, then it's an invitation for us on a daily basis, regardless of what situation we're going through, to have peace in God. And so that that's... Normally we wait till the very end to do the invitation, but I'm going to just tell you what the invitation is. Here's the invitation it is to rest. If, if, if you're a believer in Christ, the invitation is simply to have peace in God and to be able to rest this morning. The third kind of peace that the Bible talks about is the peace with each other as believers. And, and you don't have to go very far to, to hear stories about churches that, that have imploded, churches that have split, churches about that just can't get along with each other. And, and so peace with each other. And, and then the last kind of peace that, that Scripture talks about is peace with us believers in Christ. How can we better have peace with those outside the church walls? And, and so how can we use that peace really as, as, as evangelism? And we're, and we're coming up on um, between our economic times, between uh, the glorious elections that, that we are, are y'all ready for that this time next year? We're going to be headlong into elections. And if you vote for, for this person versus if you vote for this person, the world will come to an end. And we have an opportunity as believers in Christ to show peace. And I really believe that, that the peace that we show to those outside these walls, just the peace that we have in God outside these walls, I think, Y'all, I think that it's an evangelistic tool that we have. Like this, this is what Jesus offers us. We don't have to walk through life scared. Not saying we're not going to be stressed. Not saying that that stressfulness isn't going to happen. But, but our peace is found first and foremost in our Creator and in our Designer. So my wife and I, we moved out here in uh, 2006, and we helped start a church in Westland. In fact. A lot of this stuff is from the church in Westland that we helped start. Um, and we were here for five and a half years, and then we went back to Georgia. I, I talk funny. I know. I talk funny. I um, I, not nearly as bad as people in Georgia, by the way. I know I talk funny. And, and so where, where I'm from is, is right above Tallahassee, Florida, like 11 miles from the Florida State line there. And so I grew up as a Florida State fan, Florida State Seminoles. You got to be from somewhere. That's where I be from, y'all. And so whenever we moved back to Georgia, I was on staff with Fellowship of Christian Athletes. And so Fellowship of Christian Athletes, because we were the, in the part of the state that we were in, I was technically on the North Florida staff. And on the North Florida staff was, 
was uh, a guy that I got to know really well. His name is Reggie. And Reggie pastored a small church, but then he also worked with the athletes at Florida State University. So he functioned as the, uh, as the kind of as a team chaplain for the football team and the basketball team. And I loved Reggie because he was one of the most biblical thinkers that I'd ever been around. I mean, if you would come to Reggie during a staff meeting and say, hey, my knee hurts, he'd be like, well, what does Scripture tell us about that? I don't know, man. I've just got any Advil. My knee hurts. And so Reggie got real close with, with quite a few of the, the, the guys because he, he was with them all the time. And, and, and as, as a fan of Florida State, whenever I talked to Reggie, I talked to him as, as kind of a co-laborer, as, as, as a co-worker, but then also as a fan. I'm like, Reggie, how's ministry going down there? And, and we going to be all right this year? Like, Reggie, we, like, how's the team looking? And so one year that I was down there, it was 2013, Florida State won the national championship in 2013. They had a great season. And during that year, they just looked like they were head and shoulders above just about everybody else. And he was telling me the story about one of the players he got close to. And this player ended up getting drafted in the first or second round, going to the NFL. And I don't know if he's still in there or not. But what, he, what Reggie told this particular player, he said, listen, here's what's going to happen. You're as a team, you're probably going to win the national title. You should. You're talented enough. You're good enough. You'll probably win the national title. And when you do, you're going to celebrate with your, with your teammates. And then either late that night or early the next morning, you're going to call me and you're going to say something like this. Is this it? Is this it? And what I'm going to tell you is, yeah, this is it. And so sure enough, that's what happened. Florida State won and uh, they beat Auburn in like the last minute or two. I was watching that game with a bunch of Auburn fans. Uh, they beat Auburn the last minute or two of the game. Of course, the team celebrates and about two or three in the morning, this player gives Reggie a call and says, is, is this it? I thought it was supposed to be more. And Reggie said, listen to me, peace will never be found in accomplishments. Peace will never be found in what you do or don't do, in what you accomplish, what you don't accomplish, in the fame, in the money. It can, peace is only be, can only be found in Jesus. And so we're going to be in Philippians chapter 4. We're going to talk about the peace in God. So this is what we're told, Philippians chapter 4, starting in verse 6. We're only going through two, two verses. Only going through two verses. This is what we're told. Don't worry about anything. Instead, pray about everything. Now, we all walk around with a backpack. Figuratively speaking, we all carry a backpack. Some days, the backpack, man, it just weighs us down. Other days, it's light, but some days, it just weighs us down. So any given day, this is what I carry in my backpack, and I'll bet you, you do too. So the first thing I have in my backpack is, is work stuff. Right, my my nine to five is I do home loans, and while I'm not technically self-employed, I'm functionally self-employed. Our our industry is 100% commission, and so anytime in the news you see something about uh, the debt ceiling, about banks failing, about man, it affects us. And so there are some days when this is heavy. So other things I got in my backpack. This is my uh, this is my degree. This is, this is my degree from, uh, from seminary. 
I had to pull it out of the garage. It was, it was stuck between finger painting and whatnot. And, and, and so we, we carry the stresses. If you're a student, you carry the stresses and anxiety of grades, of scholarships. I have a ninth grader, and so I'm carrying the stresses of, girl, you, you better get you a scholarship. Right? We, 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 we carry this with us. This is... This is, this is another thing that we carry. What, 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 what about, not, not Legos, we don't carry the stress of Legos, but, but just cars and possessions and houses. And we feel like I'm not accomplishing what I should be accomplishing. I look on Facebook and, and they just got a new something. And, and I'm, or maybe it's, it's, it's a little different. Maybe it's, you know what, this is causing the crushing weight of debt and it is killing me. And so we have this mindset that we have to keep up or we've tried to keep up and now we're suffering the consequences of it. And there, there's, I have, I have my cell phone because we don't have a whole lot of picture frames, but if you want to see my family, you, you look on my cell phone here and I carry the weight of, are my kids okay? Is my wife okay? Am, am I providing for my family? How, how's our health? All the time, I carry the weight of this. And so, so any given day, that's what we're doing, is, is we're carrying this backpack around that's weighing us down. Now, now let's go back to verse 6. Don't worry about anything. Pray about everything. See, the invitation that Jesus gives us right here is take your backpack that you're carrying and just lay it at the foot of the cross. Jesus said as much. He said, the load I carry is light. The load you carry is heavy. Let's exchange loads. And so peace in, peace in Christ starts with saying, I've got to take my backpack off. The stresses of work, the stresses of, of, of accomplishments, the stresses of family, the stresses of material stuff, the stresses of trying to keep up. I've got to give that to Jesus. Don't worry about anything. Instead, pray about everything. And here's what I love about this pray about everything. It, it in, a, in and of itself, as God commands us to pray, is an invitation for God that, that God is giving to us to say, remember, you're not God. God's not telling us to pray about it because He needs to be informed on a daily basis of what's going on in our life as though somehow He doesn't know what's going on in our life. The invitation is pray about everything so that you and I will recognize what's going on in our life by and large is outside of our control, but we serve a sovereign God and everything is within His control. And so pray about everything as a reminder. It's all God's anyway. It's all God's anyway. He keeps on going and says this, tell God what you need and thank Him for all that He's done. This, this, this gives us just the, the, the glimpse into God's heart. We serve a God that wants to provide. Tell God what you need. Tell God what you need. 
You got something weighing you down, big or small? How many times do we just say, God, I'll give you the big stuff, but like the small stuff, I can take care of that. But look what the Holy Spirit through the Apostle Paul is telling us here. Tell God what you need. No qualifying statement. Just tell God what you need. Period. And thank Him for what He's done. You guys ever been on a Bible reading plan? When, when, when you get uh, in, in that Old Testament and, and we see where, where God delivers the nation of Israel from Egypt and He takes them through the Red Sea, through the desert. And so as you're on the Bible reading plan, that story is repeated time and time and time again to the point where if you're reading it, you just kind of want to skip over that. God, I, I got it. Red Sea, wilderness, promised land, I got it. Well, the reason why God always does that is because it's a reminder of His goodness to the nation of Israel. And Israel had to be reminded of, listen, you guys are going through this right now, but remember what I've already brought you through. If I was faithful to you then, I'm going to be faithful to you now. Any, any of y'all played Oregon Trail like when you were in middle school, elementary school? Yeah, man, I, I used to shoot squirrels all the time. Died of dysentery more than I can, more than I can count. I, I remember driving through the, the Great Plains states, not walking through like the original Oregon Trail people, but driving through, and it was terrible, awful. And so just being on the original Oregon Trail, not the video game, but the original Oregon Trail, and walking through the Great Plains only to find yourselves at the foot of the Rocky Mountains, crossing over the Rocky Mountains, and congratulations, you're now halfway there. And I got to think that, that as an original pioneer crossing and after you cross the Rocky Mountains, whatever you encounter next, your mind had to hearken to the fact of, well, we've already crossed the Rocky Mountains. We've already been brought over this. And in my mind, that's what I see God is saying to us here. Tell God what you need. Remember what He has already done. Remember what mountains He's already brought you over. Because if he, if he already brought you over this mountain, then the one that you're standing in front of right now, He didn't bring you over this one just so you could crash and burn at this one. And so God is saying, just like He did to the nation of Israel, remember what I've done. Remember what I've done. Remember what I've done. Because if I did it for you once, if I brought you over that mountain once, I'll bring you over this mountain. He goes on to say, Verse 7, then you will experience God's peace. Now, I'm not one of those who looks at Scripture and says that Scripture's formulaic. If you do this, 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 and this, and then God will bless you this way, this way. I believe that Scripture is God's story, and we're invited into God's story. However, when I read this, man, it really does seem like God is just kind of laying out a little bit of a roadmap for peace in Him. So here we go. Don't worry about everything, but pray about everything. Tell God what you need. 
thank him for what's already been done, show gratitude, and then you will experience God's peace, which exceeds anything you can understand. A quick show of hands. How many of y'all have been through something in your life and you experienced God's peace in a way that really you had no explanation for at all? How how many of y'all, right? Okay, so so just keep your hands up real quick. I'm asking you to raise your hands because not for me, but for the person beside you. You, you can put your hands down because we've, we've, we've seen God work through peace in circumstances that should have had no ounce of peace at all. And yet we have a peace in Christ that when people ask us about, we almost have to say, I, I, I don't know. All I can tell you is, is Jesus. I'm reading through the book of Acts right now and, 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 and just taking it real slow. I had a seminary professor say one time, read Scripture very slowly and very deliberately. And so I'm reading the book of Acts very slowly, going back and reading, uh, reading a couple days in a row the same chapter because I'm not very bright, so I, I, I got to hit it a few times in the week. And, and so as I read chapter 4, I love when, when uh, you, you have John and Peter, they healed the crippled man going to the temple for the afternoon prayers. They're standing before the council, and the council says, tell us what happened. And I love the New Living Translation where Peter says, let me state it clearly. Jesus. He doesn't beat around the bush. He doesn't say, well, you know, I started this keto diet, and well, uh, you know, I've been living a good life. He just says, hey, y'all, let me state it clearly. Jesus. And so whenever we're going through this, whenever we have been through this, people are like, why are, why are you such at peace? Next time, I'm going to take a page out of Peter and I'm going to say, let me just state it clearly. Jesus. That's it. Jesus. He goes on to say, verse 7, then you will experience God's peace which exceeds anything you can understand. His peace will guard your hearts and minds as you live in Christ Jesus. Now, in the original language, that word guard is not just a reactive. Like when I think guard, I think reactive. I think someone who's standing at the door, waiting for someone to maybe break in, and they don't do anything until someone breaks in. A very reactive thing. But in the original language, this is a military term that actually means being proactive. And so what it's, what it's saying is God's peace will proactively guard your heart. God's peace will actively seek out things that are trying to attack the peace that you have in Christ and will go after it. Kind of think of your immune system, right? Your immune system, it, it detects uh, that which is attacking your body and it actively goes after it. If, if you have scripture, uh, turn to uh, Psalm 18. Turn to Psalm 18 for me. And I want to I want to illustrate this by by Psalm 18. And, and, and there's other places in scripture, or particularly in Psalm, that use this word. So I'm going to introduce a word. Some of you may know, some of you may not. I'm going to introduce a word. It's a buckler. B-U-C-K-L-E-R. Buckler. Now, if you're in 
most translations, you're going to see where this is translated shield in the King James Version is translated buckler. And that's how it used to be, uh, that's how it used to be translated. The word shield used to be translated as buckler. Now, it's not really in our lingo anymore, so, so we don't use that word. But here's what a buckler is. A buckler, it is a shield, but when I think shield, I think one of those Roman shields you stick in the ground and I am immovable, right? And so any attack that comes, any firing arrows is going to hit my shield, and as long as I'm behind my shield, I'm safe. Now, if I step on the other side of my shield, I'm in trouble, so I have to stay behind my shield. Well, what a buckler is, a buckler is a shield about this big. It's a shield about this big. And a buckler was a shield that everybody had. And it's, especially in, in Old Testament times, if you're a farmer and, and you're taking your crops from field to village to sell, you would have a little buckler. You would put a, a, a leather strap on it. You would throw it in your back or on your back and then you would just walk. It was a personal protection. It was portable. It was going with you wherever you went. And it was not just a defensive thing. It was an offensive thing. I don't know if any of y'all uh, watch uh, UFC fighting, mixed martial arts, and you got the old spinning back fist. Uh, you, you get hit with one of those one time, and, and you're, you're pretty much lights out. And so a buckler was truly offensive as well as defensive stuff. And so let, let's read what Gen or, or Genesis, what uh, Psalm 18 says, I love you, Lord. You are my strength. The Lord is my rock, my fortress, my savior. My God is my rock in whom I find protection. He is my buckler. If you're in the King James, it translates it. He is my buckler. And here's what I love about it. The Lord is with me, whether I'm in the field or whether I'm on the road whether I'm in the village. The Lord is with me, walking with me as I go. The Lord is with me on my back. The Lord is with me, not just as a defense, but as an offense. Now, if we go back to, to Philippians chapter four, and we kind of use this thought of a buckler, let's listen to what it says. Then you will experience God's peace, which exceeds anything you can understand. His peace will be a buckler to your hearts and your mind. Not just a reactive guarding, but a proactive guarding as you leave here and go to work on Monday, as you go back home, as you go to the ball fields. God's peace, regardless if you're at work or regardless if you're dealing with health issues, regardless if you're dealing with church issues, God's peace acts as a buckler. Regardless what waters you're walking through, and some of us are walking through deep waters. God's peace is a buckler through those waters. Isaiah 43. Isaiah 43, this is, this is what, what we see in verses 1 and 2. Do not be afraid, for I have ransomed you. I have called you by my name. You are mine. When you go through deep waters, I will be with you. When you go through rivers of difficulty, you will not drown. When you walk through the fire of oppression, you will not be burned up. The flames will not consume you. Now, some of us are going through deep waters. 
We're walking through those deep waters. We're looking at the mountains behind us and saying, I know God's brought me over those mountains, but what I'm standing in front of right now, it seems a lot higher than what I've walked before. And God is saying, I'm with you. You're my child. I will guard your peace. I will walk with you through the deep waters. You've been through deep waters before, and I was with you. And I'm going to be with you now as you're walking through these deep waters now. And so the invitation, the invitation is peace. The invitation is just peace in Christ. And as as believers in Christ, it is that invitation of rest. And if we're not believers in Christ, that invitation is peace with God so that we can get peace in God. John 1.12, I love John 1.12. For those who believed in my name, I gave the right to be called a son or daughter of the King. I love that. I love that. So I'm going to pray for us and then I'm going to invite the team to come up and we're going to do communion. And as we do communion, after, after the first song, I want to invite you during, the, during communion, I want to invite you not just to remember what Jesus did for us on the cross and with the empty tomb, but as we do communion today, I want you to remember what Jesus is doing for us. Because the covenant that He has with us is an, is, is, is an ongoing covenant that He's keeping alive in Him. And so it's not just what, what He did, but truly what He's doing. So as we sing this, this last uh, th- this song, uh, as, as we just sing praise and worship, uh, and as we move after that, as we move into a time of communion, I just want y'all to kind of think about that. It may, it may be a slight tweak into how you've thought about communion before, but not just what Jesus did, but what He's doing. Let's pray. Father, we thank You for Your Word. Lord, we thank You that there is peace with You that's available. And for those of us who are sons and daughters of the King, Lord, I thank You for the peace that we have in You. Regardless of the waters we're walking through, Lord, I pray for that peace. That peace that that transcends any understanding that we may have. The the peace that doesn't seem to make sense to us, doesn't seem to make sense to those around us. Lord, I pray for those of us that we will just that we will take part in that. Regardless of what's going on at work, regardless of what's going on at home, regardless of what's going on at church, Lord, that we can constantly seek out that peace with You. In Jesus' name, amen.